Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Okay. All right. You got to wake up. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning. Obviously, uh, Travis is out of pocket today. So uh, I get the, uh, the honor and the pleasure of speaking with you and sharing some thoughts and some scripture. And uh, hopefully we, we find it meaningful and uh, that it's a rich blessing by the, uh, by the end of our time. So I want to pray over us uh, as we get started and, and then we'll begin. Father, I thank you so much for community and kingdom and church and just the blessing of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I thank you for the opportunity and the honor to share your thoughts with others. I thank you for that uh, on a weekly basis, but especially this morning, Father, as you give me the opportunity. Lord, thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us and the blessing of uh, just the awesome weather outside. And I pray that we get to enjoy that and, and to have your sun shine on our face uh, and remind us of the wonderful creator that we have and uh, the wonderful creation that you have made. Bless our time in study and uh, draw us nearer to you. In Christ's name, amen. So um, we're here this morning and uh, I'm just kind of piecing together for you uh, a lesson that I've been working on. And, and for me, it, uh, I get the opportunity, uh, Travis has to kind of put these things out every week, you know, and I get the opportunity to kind of reflect on something that means uh, something to me, it's transformative to me, and I kind of get to sit in it and stew in it just a little bit uh, as I process the lesson. And uh, so that, that's where this is going to come from. I'll share a little bit about how it, it came together. Uh, wherever Bill Walt is, though, where, where did you go, Bill? Okay, that was my text, all right? So the text that he used from Philippians, he stole that this morning. You're going to see it again here in a moment. Um, and he did it wrong, so I'm going I'm to do it the right way this morning. Um, I, he didn't do it wrong, but one of the, the blessings about our Bible and our text and what we love is that God brings it new to us all the time. You know, just when I think I've conquered the text, he kind of rattles my cage and says, no, you haven't. Look at it from this perspective or look at it from this trajectory. And so God is always challenging me on that. Um, and so uh, I appreciate the fact that you did that, but I want to also uh, let you know that it, it was an accident. We didn't plan that, um, but we'll go through that text again, and uh, we'll, we'll add some more to it, Bill. So maybe, maybe Bill will get something out of it as well. Um, so anyway, we're going we're gonna to start with a couple slides for us. Um, we have one question to answer. I, I love the idea of having a test where there's just one question. And, and Henry read it to us, you know, it's, it's Christ turning back and looking at his apostles. And, and the question he asks comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 16. And, and Jesus is in the, the region of Caesarea Philippi. And, and just a quick history lesson there. If you wanted to find all of the idols at the turn of the century, this is the place you would go. If you wanted to see all the idolatry that you could embrace in the Greco-Roman world, this was the hot spot for it. I mean, we had temples for everybody. You could buy your little trinkets there. You could come away and fill your little closet up full of idols. You could even sacrifice there. They even had a place to do some human sacrifice just in case you're in town for the weekend. You got a kid you don't like, all right? Uh, That's how horrible this place is. And Christ says, 
I'm going to ask you guys to follow me. And he marches them up there. And when he gets there, and they're in the midst of all of this, he turns to them and, and he says, he says, okay, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And I want you to just to sit in that for a minute. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they come up with a couple answers. They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And that's, that's a good answer, right? It's kind of like answering the question without answering the question. By answering it from somebody else's perspective. But Jesus kind of turns and he puts his gaze a little narrower on them. And he says, okay, but who do you say I am? Now, of all the questions he could ask, he could have gotten up there and said, what are they doing and why is it wrong? Why don't we do it that way? Why won't the church sacrifice? Why won't the church worship that God? Why? You know, all of those kinds of things. And he's got all this in the background. And he says, okay, let's, let's talk about something. Because he's about to do something that's amazing with Peter. Okay, and I just want to leave you hanging there for a minute. Because when he turns around and he asks Peter, he says, okay, Peter, But who do you say I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm going to stop there. We're going to come back to this text in a minute. But what I want us to to emphasize or understand is that we have to answer to Christ, who am I? That's the question. There's, it's not like a math test where there's fractions later and all of that. This is the question that we have to find an answer for. And so Matthew 16, or 13, 16, um, I, just kind of, that's where he's coming from. But we have to answer it as well. And so I want us to think about that just for a minute. Because I think we've got to answer that question before we can answer it. Another question. There's two questions, actually. I lied to you. There's one, who is he? But then the second one comes right in and says, but wait a minute, who are you? And so if you've ever gotten lost, have you ever just kind of been out wandering around, felt misplaced? Have you ever kind of felt undefined or out of focus a little bit? Do you really know who you are? Sometimes I don't know that. I'm going to give you one example of probably the most obvious. I, I, and several of you know I used to work at, at Wilderness Trek. I've been lost like three times. Okay? That's, that's not bad. All right? For those of you that climb mountains and stuff, you know, being lost three times isn't bad. When it becomes bad is when you've got 20 teenagers following you. And you're lost. And they catch on really quick. All right? And of course, they, they, you know, are you lost? <laughs> What's the answer? No. <laughs> well, then where are we going? Mm, that way. And that's the direction we go. You never let them know. But I've gotten lost before. I've gotten misplaced before in the backcountry. And the only way to get unlost in the middle of the Colorado mountains is getting a reference point. I can read a map. And I can follow uh, a compass pretty well. But I have to know where I'm at first. And the only way to find a reference point in Colorado is start climbing. 
and you got to climb, and you got to climb, and you got to climb. And if your chest is hurting and your back is hurting, you're headed in the right direction. Because eventually you will get up high enough to obtain a reference point. And so, you know, here I am, a little bit misplaced, all right, with a group of 20 kids. You know, it's snack time, guys. Have a seat, relax, drink some water. I'm going to go over here. And off I would go. Of course, I didn't, I didn't abandon the children. I would leave a staff member there with them, say, don't, don't let them run off. No bear attacks while I'm gone. But I would start climbing until I got to a reference point. And once I got to a reference point, I could be in, that's the peak. That's the one we're headed for. So if this one's behind me, okay, now I know where I'm at. But I have to figure out who I am or where I'm at, and that requires a reference point. Sometimes being unsettled or unfocused is because we're missing a reference point. Or have you ever met somebody that doesn't know who they are? They're just a little misplaced. They have no self-awareness. Don't look to your wife, Jim Hafer. But you meet somebody that doesn't really know who they are. They're missing a reference point to begin with if that makes sense. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of reference point. Maybe answering the question, you know, who God is depends more on, I'm sorry, who I am depends more on who he is. See, I don't think I can answer with any strength or reliability or consistency who I am until I understand who he is. So I want us to look at a couple examples from Paul, and this is, this is where Bill stole some of my stuff. We'll, we'll get to Philippians in a minute. Um, if, you're, if you're a fan of, of like, uh, big movies, okay, you know, the kind of movies that start off with a huge uh, musical section, you know, and, and most of those big famous movies, even take Star Wars, you know, you start out from, like, way out here. You know, and if it's a movie about a cowboy, it doesn't start in a cowboy's face. It always starts out way in the country, right? And way out there in the front, you see a little dot. And you get a little closer, a little closer. Pretty soon it's a man on a horse. And pretty soon you get a little closer, a little closer. And by the time you get there and you recognize, let's say it's John Wayne, then suddenly you realize, oh, this is who this story is about. Or you start in Star Wars, you know, and it's way out here a long, long time ago in a, in a galaxy far, far away. And it comes in, it comes in, it comes in, it comes in, it comes in. And pretty soon you find Luke Skywalker digging in the sand, you know, and you're like, oh, this must be who this story is going to be about. All right, and so Paul is answering this question, and I'm going to start with Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. He is, the in, uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the, from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's that eternal spectrum defining who he 
is. This is Paul defining Christ. And he's telling the church, this is who he is. Okay, so I love that. We start way out here, man. This universal experience for who he is from the cosmos. And then this is where we move in to that next text, Philippians, because we start out here from the cosmos and we we dial in. And this is just a few pages before that. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. But all of a sudden we come in and, and this is Paul again telling us who he is. A lot of times I approach this text, and, and this is kind of where this lesson came together. I approach this text for reminding me about my mindset. Suddenly this text becomes about me and my mindset. I'm not so convinced that it's a text to teach me about my mindset as much as it is a text to tell me about who he is. This is about the Christ not about my cognitive ability or inability. So when we get to Philippians, we're kind of zeroing in from the cosmos and we finally get there. He says, your attitude should be that as the same as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So understand, we start from the cosmos, right? He's king of heaven and earth. Everything dwells within him. He is the author of creation. This is what we find in Colossians. And we zoom in, and as we dial in onto who this Christ figure is, we get to a baby in a manger. The human one. And like it's Paul is telling us, this is who he is. All the grandeur of divinity embodied in his humble servant. And this becomes, I think, the two cornerstones of who he is. This is what Paul is saying. This is who he is. He is my king, my God, my eternity, my humble servant, model, savior, humanity. He is everything in between. He is the full spectrum. Nothing exists outside of him. And so this becomes kind of the connection point that I want us to look at because we're going to go back to Peter And we had two questions to ask. The first question is, who is he? This is what Jesus turns and he says, who am I, Peter? And I love Peter, by the way. Peter's the one that gets confused a lot. So I can identify. You know, I love Peter in that way. But look what happens even as Peter is still unfocused, unmade. You know, we're just getting introduced to who the Christ is, who the Messiah is. I'm not sure where this is going to go. Are we going to, are we going to create an army, Jesus, and go win the battle? Peter still does not know. And Peter's somewhere between a fisherman and the follower or a disciple of this Jewish rabbi. He's a bit unmade. Still a little fuzzy. He steps out on the water and he sinks. It's not quite clarified yet because Peter 
is just about to decide who the Christ is. And then I want you to, I want you to follow this through. So Jesus asks and he says, who, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. All right, so notice here, Peter finally answers who he is. And look at the gift that Christ gives him. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on that rock. Whatever Peter didn't know about who he was, he now understands. I was Peter, or I was Simon, son of Jonah. I am now Peter, the rock of the church of Christ. Once he identifies or answers the question, who Christ is, he is now capable of answering who he is. But we can't answer the second one, who am I, if I don't have the reference point of who he is. And so Peter finally gets that. When he gets the answer, the first question, uh, when he answers the first question, the primary question, who is the Christ, then the second answer is found. Peter, you are the rock. I will build my church out of this rock. So now he knows who he is. I think this person that I'm going to introduce you to has an idea about how to answer that. So I've given you a a very scriptural example of, you know, Peter following his narrative. And I've given you an example uh, of Paul showing us two possible scenarios. It's this and it's this. It's not this or this. Okay. And then we see Peter draw that conclusion. I want to give us um, an example of someone I think answered this question very well. I wish I could answer it to this level myself. I think it's a beautiful thing uh, for us to consider. But um, there was a gentleman, he's a minister, S.M. Lockridge. Has anybody heard of S.M. Lockridge? Maybe a couple, all right? He was a a Baptist minister in California for 30 years. Okay, that's a lot of sermons. And there's a few of them on YouTube. The most common one, and by the way, he would preach for an hour and 10 minutes. That's got me anxious. And I'm going to play one of his sermons for you, but I'm only going to play the last seven minutes, all right? So you, you can thank me later. And I was very nervous about this because I want you to hear very well how he articulates the answer to who am I? All right, so I want you to listen well, and, and if you want to, if you want to close your eyes as you sit in that, feel free to do that. But listen carefully. I'm hoping we have great uh, sound repercussion this morning because that's where this is going to land. I want you to hear this. Uh, this is uh, Reverend uh, and, and Reverend Doctor S. M. Lockridge. One day I'm going to be able to put all sorts of initials by my name too, but not today. Okay. Uh, but anyway, this is the video. I think. Are you guys pushing play or am I? The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder do you know him? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. 
My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supplies. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the coronal necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's, he, yes, he is. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, this is my king. He is a king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Uh, I wish I could describe him to you. But he's in this. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. He's indescribable. Yes, he is. Good God. Indescribable. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't you can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death 
couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. And thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forevers, then amen. Good God Almighty. Amen. Amen. I wish I could preach like that. That's awesome. I, I think it's kind of funny. Halfway through, he says, I wish I had the words to describe him. He's undescribable. And that's, that's the image I take home when it comes to who he is. When I have that perception of who the Christ is embedded in my heart, my life, my mind, I am now ready to define who I am. But if I don't have that reference point, then at best I continue to wander and struggle and doubt. We will never be fully capable of answering until we answer who he is. So who is he? Who is the Christ? You have to own this. You have to live it. It is not simply a cognitive understanding. If I ask you who Christ is, sometimes we're quick to say, well, he's the son of God. And I, I can get that out of the Bible. Okay? The demons had an answer. They knew who the Christ was. They knew who they were and what they were capable of. This is the cognitive ascent. In Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, we know this. They come running and fall at his knees in front of him. And he shouts. This is the man with all the demons, you know. The boat lands. He comes running. Jesus is there. He lands at his feet and he says, hey, uh, at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out. They knew who he was. They weren't living. They're demons. Anybody is capable of a cognitive ascent. He's the son of God. We get that. It didn't seem to make much difference for them. You go to Acts chapter 19. Sorry, that's the next text there. Same thing, the sons of Sceva, you remember that? These guys run around, think they're going to cast out demons. Try it on one demon, he turns around and says, hey, I know Jesus and I know Paul. I don't know you. And then he whoops them and sends them off running, bleeding and sort of naked. All right. They knew a name. They knew Jesus. But they didn't know him. And so they didn't know who they But the, the demons definitely know. If they know, they have a reference point. They know who Christ is and what he's capable of. And they know exactly who they are. And they know what they're capable of. Some things to consider as we begin to articulate and process who he is. If he is Savior, then that implies you are redeemed. If he is love then you are the object of his love. If he is king, I should say this, then I am not. 
And what a blessing. I would be a terrible king. Too much responsibility, and it would go to my head. So I'm glad somebody's got that job, and it's not me. But knowing he is king tells me I am not. At least I know who I am. I'm self-aware. If you are lost or misplaced, you need to answer this question. Here's my attempt. I'm not exactly S.M. Lockridge, but I'll give you a few. Jesus is my constant. When everything else gets a little rocky in my world, he is always consistent. Jesus is my place of solitude. When I'm fed up with the cell phone and the media and the traffic and the noise, I know I can go to him. Jesus is the one who speaks truth. When I'm honestly confused and I'm not sure, he is my default. Or if he's not, he should be. But I try to make sure that he stays as my default. It doesn't mean I don't get confused. It doesn't mean I don't get lost. It doesn't mean the world doesn't get a little out of focus. But he is my truth. So I am not. Jesus is my hope for tomorrow. Jesus is my redeemer from my past. He provides peace in my presence. That's just me trying to answer. You've got to answer. Jesus is not going to say, Bert, who did your elders tell you I am? I'll say, well, her bird said this. Jim Taylor said this. He doesn't say, no, Bert, not who they said. Who do you say I am? Okay? So we have to answer that. But if you've not answered, there's some things here for you. If you can't answer that one, then the answer will constantly change. I get up, I think I know who I am. I don't have a reference point. So maybe tomorrow I'm a different person. Maybe today I'm happy, but tomorrow I'm unhappy. Maybe today I feel secure, tomorrow I don't feel secure. Maybe today things seem in focus, but tomorrow who knows. This will always be incomplete. Who are you, Bert? Well... That's the best I can come up with, unless I have my reference point. Once I have my reference point, I know well who I am and who I am not. But without the reference point, I'm lost in that valley walking around, and usually there's people following me, and that's not a good place to be. Let me tell you where your answers are coming from if you have not answered this question. This is my view of humanity. This is where the texts come in from my friends and my enemies. This is the media that shows me what's happening in Israel right now and shows me what's happening in Maine right now and shows me what happened on, you know, Highway 111. And when I look at that and that becomes my view of humanity, wow, humanity's pretty messed up and I'm a part of it, so guess what? I'm pretty messed up. If that's my reference point, and he is not, then we tend to get our definement based on the opinions of others. If you are not in Christ's plan, somebody else is happy to put you in their plan. 
And that's not the plan you want. You want to continue to be referenced in line of who he is. And that helps me understand who I am. So who is Jesus? That's the question. And that's the question I want to present. That's it. That's all we have. You have one question. And you have to figure that one out. And if you don't spend time and effort processing who he is, then you're probably not going to do really well on defining who you are. I'm not saying it will be consistent. There are days I wake up and things are really fuzzy. Things are really blurry. And I feel like I'm a little bit lost in the mountains. But I maintain my grip on my reference point. As long as my reference point continues to be the Christ, and I know who he is, not a cognitive ascent, but who he is. Because he turns and he looks at me, he says, Bert, who do you say I am? And when I finally say who I believe him to be, and it's a truthful representation, let me, let me say that little caveat, okay? We just can't label Christ with anything. It has to be an accurate depiction of who the Son of Man, the Son of God is. If I have that correct, then he will give me a name to wear. And he say, okay, you're Bert, but today you're my rock. Or you're Peter, but today, I'm sorry. That is Peter. You're Simon, but today you're my rock. You were Abram. Today you're my Abraham. And so we get who we are. We are defined based on who he is. And so as I process this, I want you guys to consider that. How do you answer who the Christ is? And, and, and for some, they, a lot of the world has not answered that question. And you can tell they're out of focus. You spend five minutes watching the news. You look at your social media. You watch anything that comes on this screen, and it's very out of focus. Because they haven't spent the time to answer that question, who is the Christ, who is the Messiah, who is Jesus of Nazareth? And if we can answer that question, then we can begin to determine who we are. And we can begin to live the life he created us to be. I want to pray over us. If you have not figured out who you are and you want to come up and hear from some great teachers and some wonderful people and open the text and find out who the Christ is, that's the question I'll answer. <laughs> Don't come up here and say, who am I, Bert? Because Bert's got a version for you. I, say, I know who you are. You're the guy that's going to wax my car today after church. But I'd rather tell you who Christ is. And that's where you find who you are. So if you're in that situation, just it's a little blurry. It's a little hazy. Maybe you need to go back and redefine that. You did it at one point in your life, but you need to go do it again. Maybe you've never done that. Then I would invite you to come as we sing and as we pray to God. Let me pray over us, and then Herb will come up and lead us in the the closing song. Father, I want to know who I am. I want to be the child of God you have ordained me to be. I want to use the gifts and the blessings that you've given me for the sake of the kingdom of God. And sometimes, Father, I misplace my answers. I forget who you are in my life. I forget that you're my constant, that you're my peace, that you're my future, that you're my redeemer. But when I go back and I reinvest in that reality, I begin to understand again who I am. 
I am one of the beloved sons or daughters of the king of the universe. And I can stand into that. I can lean into that. That gives me a title to live into, a name to live by, a path to move forward on. Father, I pray for all of us to constantly ask that question, who is he and who does that make me? Father, I pray for those that may be a little vague and don't know where they are or things seem confusing or blurry or maybe a little bit on the broken side and they need to figure that out. Help all of us to answer this question daily, weekly, as we spend time with you and spend time with one another. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.